0: blog talk radio broadcasting worldwide Radio. Refreshing takes on legal strategies. Straightforward answers to difficult tax questions. Independent ideas on building wealth. It's the Refresh Your Wealth Show with Mark Kohler and Matt Sorensen. Get your free copy of Mark and Matt's ebooks and sign up for their weekly free newsletter with important tax deadlines and articles at RefreshYourWealth.com. Now, here's Mark and Matt. Welcome, everybody, to today's show. My name is Mark Kohler, here with you every week, talking about ways to build your wealth, save taxes, protect it from a lawsuit, just live your American dream. And uh, so grateful that uh, many of you regular listeners are back with us for what you've seen on the iTunes uh, subject line, the Open Forum Show. Now, uh, I need to give a disclaimer here. Uh, This is the one week out of the month where where, uh, the – Recording quality is not as high as usual because we're live. We're live, folks, on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, This is the portal we use for the live call-in show once a month. We're taking emails right now uh, at mark, M-A-R-K, at kkoslawyers.com, and you can call in live with a question at uh, 646-668-8326. That's 646-668-8326. If you're a new listener, welcome. Hopefully, you're going to find a little hidden uh, golden nugget of information today with all the questions we have from our listeners around the country, around the world sometimes here. And uh, I also have to uh, welcome two guests today. Matt Sorensen is on the road. He's, uh, gosh, spoken three cities in six days. The guy's uh, out there talking about self-directed IRAs. He was at a conference in Washington, D.C. He is truly the leader in the industry on Self-Directed IRAs. You guys listening to the show know how awesome Matt is. But it takes two guys to fill the shoes of the infamous Matt Swanson. So I've got two guests with me I'm excited to have on the show. They've been with us before. And let me start with Jerem real quick. Uh, Jer- I'm going in the order in which these guys were on the line, ready to roll. So Cassidy, sorry, you're in second place here, just just initially, of course. But we've got Jerem Bergeson and Cassidy Carter. Jerem manages our city, uh, Cedar City, Utah office at KQS Lawyers. He's a lawyer. He's been with us over six years. He's licensed in three states, Utah, Colorado, and Nevada, but he's helping clients nationwide uh, on the phone and Skype and go to meeting webcams whatever he's talking to everybody around the country he's just a great business attorney he's got some great litigation experience as well so if you've got a fight on your hands he can help direct you but his primary focus is on asset protection tax and estate plan estate planning sorry i'm stumbling over my words today and securities issues self-directed iras he helps a lot of our clients set up their own ppms for those out there that know what that is setting up one of those securitized funds to raise capital. He's the guy you want to talk to. And he uh, teaches real estate courses around at least the state of Utah for now. He's got two kids, a third on the way in just a couple of weeks. So, uh, Jerem, welcome.
1: Hey, great to be here, Mark. Appreciate it. And if I can be half the man that Matt Sorensen is, then uh, I'll, I'll be satisfied with that.
0: <laughs> we can't let him listen to the show. It's going to go to his head. So uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll just keep this on the DL. <laughs> There you go. Um, our second, our second host today, uh, co-host, and excited to have him with us again is Cassidy Carter. He's a tax manager at our accounting firm, and I talked to my partners and said, "Can I steal Cassidy away to be on the show?" And they both started yelling, saying, "Are you crazy? It's tax season. We're three weeks away from the deadline. You cannot talk to Cassidy." And then they said, "Well, it's up to him if he wants to burn his lunch hour." So, uh, of course, he was excited to get on. He's a great co-host when he's here; just a wealth of information. Uh, he worked for us initially back in the day when he was just going to Southern Utah University, and then he ran off to get his uh, his years of experience at Deloitte and Touche. Uh, Deloitte and Touche, sorry, Deloitte. Sometimes is more easily referenced. Was there for five years in the Las Vegas office, and just came back uh, a mountain of a CPA, just so packed with knowledge and experience. And he rejoined our firm a year and a half ago. He's a manager in our office. Supervising, uh, gosh, a whole team of accountants working on tax returns as we speak. He's out there cracking the whip, um, and he also um, has four kids and two dogs living in Cedar City. So, uh, Cassidy, welcome.
2: Thanks, Mark. I'm glad to be here, and I'm glad to be. Uh, that second place is only temporary. So, I'm looking to, you know. <laughs> Rise rise the rankings shortly here. I'm just kidding. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no problem. I'm glad both of you guys are here. Well, for those that have been on our open forum show before, we are all about speed. We are not going to do a tax tip. We're not going to do a legal tip. There's plenty of tips buried in our, uh, my email right now, and we've got some callers as well. I'll get over to them. And again, if you're just joining us, uh, if you're listening on your computer, which you can – on the blog talk radio link. It's in the newsletter. If any of you are here and you haven't signed up for our, our free newsletter every week, please get to refreshyourwealth.com, refreshyourwealth.com. Sign up for the newsletter. It's always got articles, deadlines, videos, but most importantly, the link to the show live when you want to listen. Uh, but if you want to call in, mute your computer, if you're listening through the computer, and uh, just dial in 646 668 8326. Uh, We're on a budget here. We don't have like this whole team of uh, operators or studio technicians fielding calls. So uh, when these guys are uh, talking, I might jump off, see who our next caller is, and bring them back on. (laughs) It's crazy over here. Hey, we're we're lawyers and accountants first, folks. We're trying to get work out the door for you, so um, be patient. Now, um, uh, one last disclaimer. For any of you that have emailed us for prior open forum shows, we sometimes run out of time, and uh, oftentimes we do. We can't get to all of our questions. We do our best. If we don't answer your question on the show, please re-email us. We might need to uh, set up a consult, or we can answer the question quickly in an email. Please forgive us. All we sell is our time and advice. So if it's a big question, a lot of times we'll just recommend a 20-minute call where we can really get to the bottom of it. But we'll do our best in today's show, and if you want to resubmit a question that we previously haven't been able to get to – Uh, do so, and we'll try and do our best. So I'm going to take these um, uh, in the order in which received. We'll kind of start with one or two here, and then we'll get to our live callers who have priority to always get on the show. So uh, you guys ready to roll? Ready to rock? We're ready. I betcha. And roll. and rock. Okay. All right. Well, we've got Marcy first out of the gate, I think, uh, down in uh, the South here, Marcy, a regular uh, cl- listener and client of ours for years. Marcy, you're awesome. And she says, uh, thank you for all you do. And, and we refer people to your office all the time. So some niceties. Thank you so much, Marcy. But she says, this is really important. She goes, my S-Corp in Florida lapsed during some um, uh, surgery recovery. I'm just throwing this out here. She, was, she had some surgery, and she was out of, the, you know, out of commission, and she didn't get to the state. And renew her entity, guys. Now, some of you listening, you may have a sinking feeling in your gut going, oh my gosh, when was the last time I renewed my entity? Uh, this is why we have a company maintenance program at our law firm. It's only 150 bucks a year, and we'll take care of all that so you don't have to worry about it. But, but uh, Marcy missed it. She didn't renew her entity, and so uh, the company was dissolved at the state. Um, but she says, since then I've received a few checks in my company name, my bank account has remained active, and I filed my tax returns. What would be the best way to handle this? Should I have a new entity with the same name, if it's available, or reinstate? Uh, the new entity filing is $125. Bucks, reinstatement is over $500. Um, and FYI, I can only use the name since my real estate license is attached to it. Uh, what are the tax and legal pro- um uh, consequences, pros and cons well,'ll um, i take uh, I've been talking so much. I've got two amazing guests on here, so let's just talk about the legal side first. Um, and so Jerem, why don't you throw it out? Um, what do you think about reinstatement versus filing for a new entity, um, and should she save a few bucks and just refile new or reinstate? What's your take on it?
1: You know, there is obviously the difference in filing fees. With all things being equal, I would try to reinstate um, because that entity is already set up. That entity has a history. Um, You may have contracts with that entity, and your your new entity will hopefully have the same name, but there can be hiccups when uh, somebody finds out that um, you maybe dissolved one entity or it went defunct uh, with the state, and then you, you set up a new one with the same name. Um, yes, it's a, it's a little bit more in filing fees, but I, I would probably suggest reinstating. It's cleaner um, because it's, it's the same entity throughout, not one entity that went away and then a new one with the same name.
0: Yeah, I like it. Now, Cassidy, I'm going to tee this up for you because from an accounting standpoint, the IRS doesn't like it when our entities dissolve at the state. I have a feeling you're going to recommend reinstatement too. I'm sorry, Marcy, it's, it's spendy, but uh, Cassidy, what's your take from an IRS purview? Yeah, I, I
2: agree with Jeremy on this one. I think reinstatement is probably cleaner and better. And anything, I mean, ultimately, you know, we, we look at these little hurdles like filing fees and, and some of these costs, you know, as, as kind of things that change our decisions. But ultimately, you know, you want to keep this business going. You want to keep operations as they have been as much as possible. And that won't affect the overall, you know, the overall income stream, hopefully, from your business. And so I would suggest reinstatement, just to keep it, you know,
0: keep it going as it should. Yeah. And I, I'll just add Marcy to keep the same bank account, the same tax ID number, keep filing your taxes. What we're worried about is the IRS under an audit finding out that you didn't reinstate, but you formed a new one. They could require a disillusion of the entity and it could have just a domino effect of some tax issues and headaches. So, the reinstatement fee is the same fee you would have paid over the last three years. It just comes all at once. So it's not like a penalty per se. It's just, you've got to pay the fee you got out of. So you save some money early on. Now it's time to pay the piper. So I'll tell this to everyone out there. I think this is important with your LLCs and corporations folks, you've got to keep them in good standing, do the minutes, do all those little things uh, because that's what gives you the protection that you wanted. And so um, I, I just, uh, Encourage all of you get on our little company maintenance plan. Don't spend four or five hundred dollars. I've seen clients come and spend in a thousand dollars a year for a registered agent and this bulletproof asset protection maintenance plan or something. That's way over the top. For a couple hundred bucks a year, we'll take care of those little things. But any of you out there, get on the state website. Make sure your entity's in good standing. It's always some good uh, good homework to do. Okay, we have got a live caller here. Excited to have him out
3: here on the show. Um, Al, welcome. Hey, guys, a couple of questions. Uh, One is tax-related, and I'll just ask them and let you respond, and then I'll ask the second one. The first one is, um, as I've been preparing 2016 taxes, I realized looking back at 2015 that my property tax was not included in my Schedule A filing on my 1040. Um, It's, you know, several hundred dollars easily that I should have been entitled to what is your opinion about filing an amended return? How much of a red flag does it raise for potentially triggering an audit?
0: Ooh, Good question.
3: Cassidy, do you mind fielding that one?
2: Sure. Uh, that's a great question, Al. I appreciate you asking it. I think for the amended returns, um, we actually we do a lot of those in our office. And ultimately, amended returns, when you do file them with the IRS, it's not something that goes through an automated system, uh, much like – regular returns when they go through and the IRS does their matching program. They look for, you know, information that they have received versus what's on the return. Amended returns are looked at specifically by uh, an internal revenue agent. So there is that aspect to it. However, you know, if it is something that you were entitled to and, it, you know, you really do have that deduction, it's not something, you know, that's kind of out in, in left field, a little sketchy you know you're entitled to it so you you can amend now there is sometimes what we have to do with a lot of clients is there's a price to preparing an amended return and so what we help a lot of clients do is we do kind of a cost benefit analysis and sometimes the savings can be so little that it's not worth amending but it's definitely something you know to talk to a CPA about have them help you with the cost benefit analysis and then you can make a decision going forward. But as far as red flags, I mean, if you're entitled to the deduction, um, you know, there's no reason you should claim it. You, you should you not. Yeah. Claim okay. it, I guess Yeah.
3: So that's and fine, I, I and I'll two I'll two be to... amending my own return too, so that I'm not looking okay. at the cost of paying somebody to do it. I'd be amending my own return.
2: Okay.
0: Cool. I, then yes, and I definitely add something to look that,
3: that, Yeah, and I just add to
0: Al that if you're gonna, um, if you've got aggressive. Write-offs in other areas that you're a little like oh, I don't want someone looking at this. Then uh, take that into consideration too. Even though you should have a slam dunk on this property tax, you want to look at your return as a whole and just one you know make sure no one's looking at it a little bit scrutiny that you're concerned about. And what was that second question, Al?
3: So, the second question, I uh, currently have an S corp. And I'm looking at a particular niche in my market, and I'm wanting to target that, but I want to create a, an entity, and not not necessarily an entity name, but I want to be able to work under a different name. I've looked at doing a DBA as my S-Corp doing business as a different name. Is that the right way to do it, or should I just create another LLC that's owned by my S-Corp? And and what would be mm-hmm. the positives, negatives?
0: Oh, great question. And, and it's one we feel quite a bit. I'll take you off the, the
3: air here for and
0: answer that. Thank you so much. I'm sure you're still listening. I didn't delete your hair from the call. But uh, uh, but uh, Jerem, this, this can get involved. This is why a consult might be necessary. But what are some things you'd say to someone just throwing this out there?
1: Yeah. I mean, if if all you're concerned about is being able to do business under that name um, uh, so that no one else, that, that DBA, what it does is it makes it so that no one else in the state can register a business entity with that name. So if you register register the DBA and do business under that name, that's what you're getting. Um, so if all you're concerned about is, is kind of getting that name in the state, then a DBA is great. If you're concerned about making sure that the liabilities from each business stay separate, then setting up a new entity might make sense um, with, with the new name that you want to use. And you can have that LLC, be an LLC that's owned by your S corp. That's going to help keep the liabilities separate. If you're not concerned about the liabilities, then the DBA is the, the cheaper and more efficient way to go.
0: I love a great comment. I throw out to um, Al that, uh, uh, with a single-member LLC, it's like a subsidiary to the S-Corp, so it saves you on tax reporting because you can report all the operations on your S-Corp, and uh, it's administratively quite affordable, but uh, you get the separate asset protection. You get a separate entity, separate bank account, separate tax ID number. So uh, those, that separation can be helpful, but it doesn't come with a big price tag with an extra tax return at the end of the year. Okay, next question. This is from John in New York. He says, what's a good resource to start understanding retirement plans? uh, Matt seems to be a good choice once you already have a solid understanding, but uh, his book is a little advanced for a beginner. So, see, Matt's not here today. We could beat him up over this. So, uh, (laughs) John, (laughs) good day to ask this question. No, I would throw this out, John, and and for everybody listening, all of us learn in different ways. And some people enjoy a radio show, just like those listening today. Some like uh, to read a book and curl up with a highlighter or pen. And some like a video. And uh, that visual teaching through a video can be really helpful. And a live event, of course, same scenario. Um, I would say this, John. One thing I've tried to do to help get people to the level where Matt's book makes sense is I've got, number one, I throw out my YouTube channel. Check out my YouTube videos on a number of retirement plan points. They're two- to five-minute videos. I call them two-minute tips. A lot of times they're like six minutes long, but I get carried away. But also on my um, site, markjkohler.com, I've got a little video package. It's a couple hundred bucks for my tax and legal library, and I've probably got nine different videos on what's an IRA, what's a Roth, how, what is self-directing, uh, what's a 401k, and blah, blah, blah. And those videos can save you a ton of money, Um, spending time on the web, trying to figure things out, or um, uh, paying a lawyer or accountant per hour. So uh, check out that tax and legal library on my website. I'm shooting new videos constantly. You get access, uh, lifetime access as long as I'm alive. So that might be a great place to start is in some video training. And um, I don't have another book that I'd recommend. Do you guys have a a book on retirement plans? Or I think – some YouTube vids on my site. Uh, Jeremy Cassidy, anything you'd recommend for anyone out there? Just trying to understand retirement plans in general.
1: No, I think those are, those are good resources. I, don't, I, um, I know Matt has some videos as well. Uh, they may be a, um, a little uh, on, the, on the more advanced end as well. But, um, yeah, I would check out um, Matt's website, um, sdirahandbook.com, and then, of course, mjk.com as well, markjkohler.com.
0: Okay, cool. Hey, I've got a question here for you, um, Cassidy, too. Uh, I'm going to keep moving, so you know, so be patient, folks. And Cassidy, I'll throw this your way. I know you were going to say something you can add to it, uh, that last question if you want. But this is from sure. Judy over in Seattle. Um, Judy, thanks for – of course, we recognize your name and appreciate you coming, uh, always listening to the show. She says, um, I qualify for health care tax credits through the Washington Exchange, where my monthly insurance premiums are subsidized. So anybody out there, if you're on quote-unquote Obamacare, where you get some subsidies, um, and she says, I pay the balance of the monthly premium. So this is a great question. She says, Cassidy, are these credits taxable? Are they counted as income? Are these factors to consider in choosing one plan over another? Um, And in my case, I rarely go to the doctor, and I'm generally healthy, should I get a, a lower premium, high deductible, and even set up an HSA? Oh, I just got hot and bothered there. She said the word HSA. But um, before <laughs> going into HSA, <laughs> uh, Cassidy, anybody out there getting subsidies, uh, tell us about them, uh, the taxability and all that.
2: Sure. So under the Affordable Care Act, which who knows, it obviously got defeated last week, the the repeal and replace kind of nonsense. So. Um, who knows wh- where that's going to end up in a few years, but for now, under current law, those when you basically go onto the exchange, you input different items from your, your tax returns and, and based on your financial situation, there's an analysis done, and it determines how much of a, it's called a premium tax credit, you would qualify for. So when you go on the front end at the beginning of the year, you apply for the, the health care, and you put in your your income. So let's say now we're at the end of the year. You're getting ready to file your tax returns. The tax return is the the reconciler for this plan. And basically, so if you said, yeah, I plan to make you know forty thousand dollars for this upcoming year. I have, I'm married. I have this many children. However it goes, um, and then at the end of the year, let's say you end up, you basically get a, a credit uh, for your your insurance premiums every month. And then at the end of the year, if you go, if you made more income than that, then you would have an additional amount probably due because you would repay some of those credits on the back end. If you came in with a lower income than you had anticipated at the beginning of the year, then you would probably be entitled to additional credits, which would be given to you through through a refund on your tax return with the IRS. That's but
0: but kind nice of how that works. The credits, yeah, and the credits are not taxable. If you get a credit, enjoy it. If you have That's to pay right. a little bit more, because yeah, if you made more money than they thought or what you thought you were going to do, um, be just keep that in mind. You might have to pay a little bit of that credit back, but it's not taxable. Um, now I'm just going to plug here. We need to. Oh yeah, go ahead.
2: No, I was going to say, and we've seen that uh, clients uh, that have come through our office that get really turned around with that sometimes because they they forget that they've applied for this these premium tax credits, and maybe they put in, you know, an amount, and then they come back with two times that amount on their tax returns. And, you know, they had not withheld their taxes throughout the year. They haven't made estimated payments based on the change in their income, and they can get really hammered on that when they file their tax returns. So an important point on that.
0: Yeah, yeah, great comments. Um, Now, I will – um, say on the HSA, what I was just going to throw out We need to do a show on it here soon We've been kind of waiting to see what's going to happen With the healthcare legislation And what was said in On numerous you know, Political panels this last week And a half is We are stuck with And I, I don't want to say stuck with But we're going to be living with The Affordable Healthcare Act or Obamacare For the foreseeable future Until Paul Ryan and Donald Trump can President Trump can get together and create some consensus, and frankly, create a plan of what they're going to replace Obamacare with. I think you know that's the biggest issue. Everybody complains about it, but but it's so complicated to come up with a a replacement. Until then, we're going to be living with this. Which means, and President Trump talked about this in his inaugural address: HSAs, health savings accounts, are going to be a, a, a major cornerstone of. Any future legislation, and is currently a part of Obamacare and part of Kohler Care. And Kohler Care is where you want to be. People, <laughs> health savings accounts are awesome. So I'll say this to Judy and anybody else listening: If you're generally healthy, oh my word, start insuring yourself. Get the higher deductible, the lower premium. Uh, in some states, they're a little harder to come by. My Hawaiian clients, I, I know it's hard. Uh, in Hawaii, everything's so regulated with healthcare, but in in 95% of our other states, all of you out there could price out a health savings account qualifying policy. And Judy, I would look at it. And folks, you have another two weeks to make a contribution and get a deduction for 2016. So any of you that had a higher deductible plan last year, you can still get a write-off on the front page of your tax return. That's 3,500 bucks. Uh, for individuals, and $6650, $6,650 for married couples. So um, there's a little side note for any of you that you know you had a high deductible. Um, get, get around to it. Um, okay, I'm going to throw out a question here to uh, Jerem. Uh, this is from Jasmine. She says, love your show. Thanks for sharing and educating all of us. Thank you, Jasmine. She said, uh, if we started a single-member LLC last year in 2016 – Did we have to make the S election in 2016? Let's say the business improves or changed to a different business. Can we still make the S election in 2017 or 2018? This is a bigger question than you realize, Jasmine. Uh, Jerem, have at it. So – she If she
1: didn't make it in 2016 and she doesn't want to make it for 2016, but maybe her business takes off here in 2017 um, and, and she's making enough that the S election is going to make sense, she's going to save more in self-employment taxes than she would pay in additional tax return filings, then she can make you, – you know, Jasmine, you can make an S election for 2017 um, – you know any time during this tax year and even a little bit into next year you can make it retroactive to January 1st of 2017 um you'll have to go back and do your quarterly uh payroll tax returns that you've missed you'll have to file an 1120s for the tax year 2017 um but yes you can you can make it at 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 any time and make it retroactive for that that tax year if you want to make it for 2016 um we're getting close to the point where that may be difficult to do, um, but but you may still be able to do that. I know you need to do it before you file a, any, any um, tax returns for that year, certainly um, before you would file a, a corporate tax return. But if you're a single member LLC, you won't have one. Um, but it's flexible that way. Um, it's flexible until you make the S election. Once you've done that, it's very difficult to go back. Um, but but when you have income that warrants doing that, um, yeah, you can strike at that time and, and make the S election for that
0: tax year. I love it. And I'll just add this for any of our listeners out there. If you have an LLC that you're doing an operational business in, and you've been waiting to determine if you're going to make an S election, break-even point for us with costs and management and It makes sense is is usually around thirty thousand dollars. If you're netting thirty thousand, that's income minus expenses, and you're going to take home about three grand a month, let's say approximately, then you're a good candidate to look at this. And we can backdate your LLC into an S corp uh, all the way to the beginning of 2017. I think it's a little late for 16 because you'd have to catch up on some payroll, you'd have some penalties, and you'd you'd draw the attention of the IRS. So. For anybody out there, this is the time to be thinking about, should I set up an LLC now and then have the ability to backdate it to an S-Corp if I make the money I plan on it? So Jasmine, you're good to go. You've got lots of flexibility. Make sure you stay in touch with your accountant during the year. Um, Cassidy, this is a question from Carmelo. He says uh, – two questions. We'll see if we can get to both. He says, uh, this is home office. He says, I understand there's two methods for deducting home office, the uh, down and dirty simple – Easy method, and uh, I threw that in, and then the uh, take a percentage of everything uh, method—a little more involved. Um, so Cassidy can—he he says, for example, if my home office is ten percent of my total square footage, how should I show this in QuickBooks? I'm paying ten percent of my rent and utilities. This is so complicated. Is there an easy way to do this? That's really the gist of Carmelo's question. Um, do you want to give people a quick rundown? What, what do you tell people about home office?
2: Sure, uh, and that's a great question, Carmelo. Um, so you are correct that there are the two methods. They're the simplified method's relatively new, and that is just it's $5 multiplied by the, your, the square footage of your office up to 300 square feet. And so that's something that a lot of our clients like to do. It's easy because it's kind of a free deduction. Um, the, the other method kind of takes away from your mortgage interest and, and just, well, it doesn't take it away. It reallocates it. This is a the simplified method is just a deduction on top of everything else, and so that's the first one. Second one is the traditional method, and with that method, you can do you basically, you know, you prorate the business use of your home, and so in your case it would be 10% of your utilities, your mortgage interest, your property taxes, all these other things. You can even depreciate a portion of your home as business use, and then in QuickBooks. A lot of times what we do is we end up – it depends what type of entity you have, but a lot of times we can treat it as – we've seen it as rent, or what we prefer to do is treat it as an office expense and show it an office expense and then show a line item for home office deduction. That's an easy way to track it. And what
0: you can do is – Cassidy, can I interject here too? I think the key word to use is just a journal entry. Carmelo. Yep. Don't worry about tracking all this crap every month and yada yada yada. Just at the end of the year, you'd get on the phone with Cassidy and go, "Hey Cassidy, I want to maximize my home office." And then he'll do a a little journal entry and That's right. make short order of it. Yeah. So, yeah, I think the big thing is is to if I may say this, Cassidy, I want you to finish your, your thoughts on home office, is I, want, I just want people to not be afraid of home office. If your accountant's like, oh, it's a high-risk item and it's too much of a pain or blah, 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 you've got the wrong accountant. Um, we love the standard, just down and dirty deduction. It doesn't affect your Schedule A. It's wonderful. And if we have to and go traditional or it makes sense, it's a journal entry. But I, I just wanted to interject that, Cassidy, that it doesn't have to be overwhelming. That's right, and these
2: are the best kind of deductions, the ones that you don't have to spend additional money for. You're already paying for your utilities. You're already paying for all these things, and so if you can – and, Mark, you speak to this a lot – if you can basically reclassify them as – take personal expenses and treat them as business expenses, those are the best kind because you don't have to empty your bank account to get them.
0: Yeah, I love it. Great comment. Um, okay, he says um, – this is kind of a bookkeeping question. Make short order of this, Cassidy, and this is important for everybody listening. He said, I have a company cell phone that I pay m- online monthly with my business debit card. Would it be considered bill pay or monthly expense? And what's the difference if I just do bill pay? Do I have to use a check to get the write-off? Will bill pay be sufficient? So, Cassidy, real quick, what do you tell people about paying bills online and still getting the write-off, and especially cell phone, which we love? Okay, so those bills,
2: if it's business use, it's going to be a deduction. I don't necessarily, it doesn't matter how you pay it. If it's related to your business and it was used to generate the income in your business, then you're entitled to the deduction. Um, Keep good records. You know, when you do your bill pay, if you do, if you can keep an email or some kind of receipt, that's obviously the best way to do it, but
0: definitely deductible. Oh, I love it. Okay, I'm going to hit a quick question here myself, guys, if I can, and then I share my got one coming your way. Um, this is from Margaret. Love you. Regular listener out in SoCal. She says, Mark, I've watched your video on the nanny tax. Uh, for some of you, the, we've talked about this on the last couple shows. It's been a big one. We've had so many clients that are paying housekeepers or landscapers or nannies and they're like, what do I do? And the IRS is really all over this. So if some of you have that kind of household employee is what they're called. Uh, check out my video on YouTube that just went out two days ago and also my article in the newsletter this week. You want to be aware what the issues are. So um, she says, Mark, I, I now have to take a deep breath. My landscaper, subject to nanny tax? Ugh. And she says, bullet points. Um, he, sends the, she, he sends me a, a, an invoice every month. He has his own tools, his truck, and he services multiple clients. Um, and he, has, for all intents and purposes, he's a business. Do I have to really pay this tax? The answer is Margaret, and for any of you out there. This nanny tax does not apply if the landscaper is his own business, has multiple clients, shows up, does his job. She says, mow and blow, gets in there and gets out. Then that, that guy, is, that company is not subject to the nanny tax. The person that's subject to the nanny tax is your landscaper that only works for you, uses your tools, and you pay them over 2000 a year, which is about 166 bucks a month. So if some of you have this kind of, I don't know about full-time, but this kind of landscaper that full-time works for you, but it may only be a few hours a week or whatever it is, and this is the nanny that's coming over daily or the maid or things like that, Uh, in-home care. That's where we have to worry about this nanny tax. So Margaret, you're fine. She says, do I need to get an I-9 from him or all of his employees? We're in Southern California, and his crews are often of Mexican descent. Do I need to worry about this? You don't. It's up to the landscaper. It's his business. He should be getting I-9s and making sure that he doesn't have an immigration issue with his employees. So you're cool. If there are a company, any of you out there, you hire a subcontractor to do your landscaping or merry-maids, don't worry about this. If only if it's a business expense do I want you to get a W-9 from them so you can issue a 1099. But for your personal home, nothing to worry about. Um, Okay. Um, So do you guys want to add to that at all? I just want to make sure. Anything? Okay, I'm here in silence. So I'm going to go to a series LLC question. So (laughs) there's a little delay today. So um, this is uh, from Kumar. He's out in Chicago. He says, first of all, thanks for doing such, um, doing this information, education, useful podcast. Love you guys. Thank you so much, Kumar. He says, you often mention the series LLC. Oh, this is right up your alley, Jerem. He says, you mm-hmm. often mention the series LLC, and I'm in the process of moving all my rentals to a series LLC. Do I need a separate EIN number and bank account for each series in Illinois, or can I have this one EIN for the for the master company and do one bank account um, in either case do i have to file multiple tax returns or just one tax return um i'm confused blah 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 yeah you know this is good great question uh Jeremy, run down the series uh, maintenance uh, issue
1: yeah so let's let's start with bank accounts you're definitely going to need a separate bank account for each sub-series llc in the series llc structure that's part of them being their own separate entities from each other and from the master or parent LLC. If you don't have a separate bank account for each subseries LLC, you're not treating them as being separate from each other uh, and from the master from a financial standpoint. So the law is not going to treat them as being separate from a liability standpoint. So you absolutely have to have a separate bank account and a separate set of books for each subseries LLC. Now, the EIN uh, question is kind of <laughs> a gray area that, that's out there. Um, you certainly can obtain a separate EIN for each subseries LLC. Um, lots of clients are able to set up separate bank accounts under the, the EIN that's issued for the parent. Um, as long as you've got a separate bank account, um, I don't think a separate EIN is necessary unless you can't find a bank that will open up a separate bank account without the separate EIN. I don't know if you have a thought about that, Mark, but that's kind of where,
0: where I see that. Um I love it. You can say it but perfect. Keep rolling, man.
1: Okay. So so separate separate bank accounts, yes. Separate EINs maybe. Um what, what, sorry, what, there was another part of the
0: question I, I forgot. <laughs> you bet, and I can feel it easily. But the beauty of the series LLC, one tax return. That's there where you go. we want to yep. be. So th- yep, that was it. So that's why we like the series LLC. And for some of you listening and they're like, what the crap are these guys talking about? Let's just say that Kumar here has 10 rentals in Illinois. Well, they're getting up in value. Does he want to set up 10 LLCs and protect them from one another? expensive. We generally, rarely would ever recommend that. But in about 15 states, including Illinois, you can set up a series LLC. And you can have these little baby LLCs that all funnel into the parent. So you do one tax return, one major filing, and you have one main LLC. And like we talked about with bank accounts and EINs, that's kind of part of it. But the beauty is you save money on these multiple LLCs, but you get protection as if you had different LLCs. And more and more states are getting on board with this. We love them. You have to make sure you can only you use. They are available in your state where your rentals are, and you can only use them in that state. And and some states have little weird filing. Like uh, Illinois does want to get a, a minor filing every time you have a sub. Texas is that way too. So there's different states that have some tricks. And but that's why you hire us. We'll take care of you. So some of you out there that have multiple rentals, um, make sure you bring up the series LLC topic. Um, or we'll bring it up for you if you've got a lot of rentals. Um, Okay, I've got a a great question here for Cassidy. This has worked out really well. A good balance of tax and legal. That's what I love. Okay, this is from Michael. Uh, He says, I have heard that the IRS always gets their money sooner or later. Thanks, Michael. Womp, womp, womp. Yeah, Debbie Downer, geez. He says, even though you get an annual tax advantage of depreciating your rental property, what happens when you sell? I've heard that the depreciation is recouped. Jeez. Similarly, what happens with the home office deduction when I sell my primary residence and I took some depreciation on my home? And I'll add this. Tell me, is it really that bad? Cassidy. <laughs> that's, that's a great question, and I,
2: <laughs> I do get that um, a lot. And, and so hopefully we can uh, clear the gray skies here for just a minute. So there is some advantages in... So when you when you're looking at any kind of tax, you know, situation, there there's different concepts. There's you can defer income or, you know, the, the recognition of income down the road, so you do, you don't have to do it today, or you can completely avoid um recognizing certain types of income. In this case, you're kicking the can down the road a little bit. However, that can be over the, a long period of time. So if you're taking depreciation, you're benefiting from it for, you know, 10, 20, 30 years. Um all that, that money that you saved, hopefully if you went turned around and invested it over that same period of time, for one, you would you would end up in a lot better situation when it's time to recapture the, the depreciation. But also what happens a lot of time is you take these depreciation deductions now this is gonna make the skies a little gray too, but then you die one day <laughs> which ends up happening. Um you know but a lot of that stuff can be can be captured in your estate and when you're when there's some estate tax planning tips that you can kind of take advantage of and you may not even ever really have to you know pay the tax until until way on down the road or you know future generations so you don't sacrifice the current deduction necessarily for fear of having to pay you know decades down the road
0: Yeah, I love it. And the term here is called depreciation recapture. So anybody out there that's new to this, you're going to depreciate your rental, and you get a write-off every year, even if you have a a mortgage. And that's a big deal. That's a great write-off. And you want to create that savings so you can use the money wisely rather than just giving it to the government. But when you do sell the rental, you have to pay that depreciation back in a sense because you recapture all that and you pay tax on it. But here's another option. You can always do a 1031 exchange, Uh, You could do an installment sale and spread it out over time. And then as Cassidy wonderfully stated, when you die, you get stepped up basis. So you don't even pay the tax on the depreciation. So you can kick the can down the road until it goes to the next generation and never pay the tax. So with some wise long-term planning, don't stress about it, Michael. It's cool. Now on the home office, this is a big one. Everybody, you were listening right? 20 minutes ago when we were talking about home office do the down and dirty standard depreciation deduction, which isn't too bad. It's a great little write-off, this 1500 bucks a year, whatever. Um, there's no depreciation recapture. But if you do the traditional method, then there is depreciation recapture. So uh, when you do your home office, you want to look at the different strategies and see which one might be best. So uh, be patient there. All right, let's see if we can get in here to another question. Man, we are flying along. We've got about 15 minutes left. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Ah, oh, this is so exciting. Um, okay. Now, we've got a self-directed IRA question, so I'm going to throw this one Jerem's way. Uh, he says, uh, hope you're doing well. Uh, next time you're in Chicago, look us up. So this is <laughs> from Jack. He says, KKOS helped me create my business entity years ago, and I'm expanding the solution my company offers. I'm not sure if I need to create another entity to encompass this complete solution. My current company... Educates on financial strategies, sells insurance, investment alternatives, and we seek get commissions. We may roll over retirement plans into a self-directed plan or create new self-directed plans in the process. I would like to be compensated for the consultation and being the agent opening the self-directed plan. I also invest in different secure strategies like notes and private lending. I'd like to create a JV uh, where I can help the people invest their self-directed plans. And oh boy. This is a tough one, yeah. Jack. He says, what's the best way for me to do this? Will I need to open another entity to do so? I don't know if he can do it at all without the right financial licensing. This is What would you say, yeah. Jeremy, to Jack?
1: That's what I was going to say. Is It sounds like y- y- there are securities issues. You need to make sure you're licensed in a way that you can offer these things to people. I, I heard something in there about – him opening people's self-directed IRAs, you'd have to be, you know, get the correct licensing and so forth to be a, a custodian. Uh, there's there's a lot going on there that we're probably not going to be able to answer on this radio show. Um, lots of compliance issues with what you're talking about beyond just setting up another entity. Yeah, you may want to set up another entity for liability reasons, and and you may not be able to cross over having entities do various things that. you're you're wanting to do here from a uh, compliance licensing standpoint Um, but uh, I don't know if I I have a good uh, good answer other than that we would probably need to have a consult with you and and discuss what it is exactly you're wanting to do and and the compliance issues that would would
0: come out of that yeah I uh, Jack we may need to talk separately but um, when you start trying to get compensated to help people invest or set up retirement accounts, the SEC monitors that because they're afraid of people getting ripped off with people that don't have all the skill set. And you may have all those skills, but you just got to get licensed to do it. So let's talk. In fact, I would talk to Matt or Jerem at our office because they know those securities laws the best. I'm a little more IRS centric. So um, now we've got another question from Andrew on series LLCs. Now, gosh, another one. Now, I'm going to kind of summarize Andrew's question. He said, well, Mark, I've heard a lot about these series LLCs. I've got several revenue sources. Should I just have subs set up for those? Custom software development, installation of people on their websites and applications and all this kind of revenue from services. Did everybody get that? This is important. A series LLC is often – for holding rentals. But can you use a series LLC for separating revenue from operational um, different revenue streams? I'm going to say out there for Andrew and everyone else, that's quite rare. We're not a big fan of the series LLC to create multiple streams of revenue into one entity that ultimately probably needs to be an S corporation anyway. So because remember, everybody, if you're creating sales of services and software and developing people's websites and apps, that's S-Corp-type revenue. So now all of a sudden you're taking a series LLC and making an s election and having subs, very, very rare and complicated. Um, I would just say, Andrew, get an S-Corp, maybe set up some subsidiaries or just some different QuickBooks accounting to track that, and you're going to be fine. Three separate QuickBooks um, uh, classes could do the trick. Um, and never take your series LLC you're using for rentals and set up subs for operations because now you've just commingled everything. So uh, it's not going to work on a tax return. So sorry, I hope that helps, Andrew. A little bit of clarification there. Now let's go over to uh, a tax question for Cassidy. This is from Stacy. She says, uh, oh, and Stacy is an adronomous name there. It could be a, a male or female. Sorry, a little old school Stacy. I'm, I'm out here in the farm country of Idaho. You see a Stacy driving a tractor once in a while, so I'm just going to throw that out. So, but this, we'll see how it goes. So, anyway, Cassie, this is Stacy. What's the difference between an LLC taxed as an S corp and setting up an Inc. that we, or having an? Um, basically, she says, what about an LLC taxed as an S corp or an Inc. that will be make a tax S election? Is there a difference,
2: Cassie? Good question, and and from a male Cassidy to uh, male or female Stacy, I, I totally get the name thing there. Um, <laughs> in fact, I just got a I, I just I just got a letter from uh, one of my clients has a you know has a, I guess a financial advisor that they work with, and uh, all the letters they send me are to Miss Cassidy Carter. So I, I've asked them to change that, <laughs> and it hasn't been done in two years. So here we go. But anyway, um, in regards to your question. The an S an S true uh, let's see an Inc taxed as an S corp or an LLC that makes an S election um, ultimately the tax consequences are going to be the same you're going to need to do payroll along the way and then you would need to file a separate federal tax return and likely something on the state side as well depending
0: on where you live mm, love it so, I would say the same thing too just they're the same don't worry Stacy. I would throw this out. The main reason why we have clients that do an LLC taxed as an S-Corp is they don't know if they're going to make enough money yet, but they want the ability to backdate. That's the only time we do an LLC taxed as an S. Or maybe you just got one on LegalZoom and don't know why, and then we'll convert it to an S. But if we have clients come to us that are making money or already or it's eminent, it's we're just going to go straight to an Inc. Don't mess around with the LLC um, taxed as an S. It's the same darn thing. Um, Jerem from Cindy uh, out in Utah says, uh, Mark and Matt, you are superb. I just want to throw that out. I appreciate that little love. Um, uh, she, she says, my question today is, is it possible for a, C cor- a, a corporation, a C or an S, to own or be a member of an LLC, like a partnership or another S corp or sole proprietor? This is a tricky one. Let's go with the first one. Can anybody out there have an S corp or C corp own an LLC? Jerem? Yes. <laughs> yes. You, no, you, not you a problem,
1: do is it? No. Yeah. No. And I think your LLCs you can be owned by S corp, C corps whatever. Sorry.
0: Yeah. Yeah. LLCs can be owned by anybody. But then she says, "Can my S corp be a member of another S corp?" What would you tell someone about that?
1: Typically, no S corps have to be owned by people, uh, and those people need to be U.S. residents. Um, there are some, you know, Q sub kind of situations where S corps can have subsidiaries and so forth. Um, but, but typically, an S corp, uh, no business entity, not an LLC, not an S corp, not a C corp, can be an owner of another S corporation.
0: Yeah, especially with partners. That Q sub that Jeremy just referenced is the if the subsidiary is 100% owned by your S-corp. So your S-corp can own another S-corp as long as it owns 100% of it. And then we start saying to ourselves, why the heck are we doing this? And we reevaluate. So uh, in a partnership, if if Jerem calls me up and says, Mark, I'm going to open up a a Great Harvest Bread factory. Do you want in? I'm like, sweet. So my S-corp would partner with Jerem's S-corp. And we're off to the races. So very common. All right. Well, this is awesome, folks. We've, thanks for listening and staying with us, hopefully driving down the road. Some of you are finding some amazing golden nuggets of information here. We're trying to blaze through all of our questions. We're not going to get to all of them. I'm trying to do the best I can. And um, so uh, we'll, we're just going to keep plugging along here on a few more questions. Um, this is for um, Cassidy. This is from uh, Fleece in Honolulu. Um, would, I'd like to hear your take on an S Corp home office expense and what about depreciation? <laughs> Little does Felice know that this is the topic of many debates and staff meetings at uh, K&E CPAs. So Cassidy, uh, can you summarize briefly? What do we do with an S Corp owner that wants to take home office expenses? Can they do it?
2: The answer, The short answer is yes and so as mark pointed out um we, we this is a, a gray area even amongst many accountants and cpas themselves but basically the idea for this home office deduction is like we've talked we've talked about it how to kind of calculate it and everything but the biggest key is if you're using the traditional method for the home office and you would be interested in taking depreciation, um, we can help you. It's something that we should probably kind of help you with, and so definitely talk to your CPA about it. If it's not something that they want to speak about because they're they're uncertain about it or whatever, um, give our office a call, and we'd be happy to, to help you
0: address it. Well, and that was a trick question, Cassidy, because I'm going to take it to another level here briefly. Felice is a CPA, so I didn't forewarn you, <laughs> but I like your oh, answer. Very I guess good. you can do it. Yeah, so Felice, a fellow CPA practicing in Honolulu, Hawaii, uh, what, what I'd say to Felice is we normally book it as rent or an office expense, but we don't use the word home office. We do book it in the S-Corp, and we calculate it as if it was a traditional home office expense but then just book it in the S-Corp as a reimbursement to the shareholder. Now, that was technical. Some of you out there just careened off the side of the road and fell asleep. I hope I didn't kill anyone. But um, that's our take on it. And we will still calculate depreciation as if it was part of the expense. Now, Felice, that means how honest is your client and or the CPA? Are they tracking that depreciation for future recapture? Oof. I don't know how the IRS would even track it. So we just have to be honest so someday when we're at the pearly gates – we can tell God we were honest in all our dealings. So track that depreciation. Book the expense. Take it on the S-Corp. Just be careful. Um, Felice asked another question here. She says, um, LLCs and corporations can be taxed similarly. Which form is preferable in various situations? Well, here's the deal. i just say, if you have an LLC taxed as an S-Corp and a corporation taxed as an S-Corp, they're the same. And from a legal perspective, Jeremy and I are going to have you do your annual minutes, your company meetings and use the corporation or LLC in the exact same way. Don't fall prey, people, to the radio ad or the TV commercial that says LLCs are cheaper and easier and you can throw maintenance to the wind. Good luck in court, people, with that one sheet of paper you got from that online incorporation company thinking your LLC is going to just protect you even though you didn't maintain it properly. So be careful. Um, okay, uh, Jerem, this is uh, from Sam in New York. Man, we are all over. Do you know how exciting this is? From Honolulu to New York City. This is Sam. He says, can you discuss the disadvantage of being a single member LLC? Are there cases where you are treated just like a sole proprietorship, even though you are incorporated? Do you have the same liability protection? I think I heard that someplace, and I'm not clear. Please clarify. Now, I'm, Jeremy, I'm going to rephrase that a little bit. Is there a disadvantage from an Asset protection standpoint, being a single-member LLC, when you're doing a business, what would you say?
1: So the protection that you're going to get personally from the debts and obligations and liabilities of your business, if you're operating the business correctly and you have the right underlying documents, the protection – of you and your personal assets from the debts and obligations of the company is going to be the same, whether you're a single member LLC or whether you have multiple members. In some states and in some situations, the protection for the LLC's assets from your personal liabilities, you go out and get in a car accident and kill somebody and it's your fault, the assets that are in the LLC if you're a single-member LLC, may be easier for that the plaintiff in that lawsuit to get at uh, in some states, again, than that, than it would be um, if there were multiple members in that LLC. So that outside liability protection for a single-member LLC can be less uh, protective than uh, a multiple-member LLC, depending on the state you set it up in, where the claim comes from. Um, there's, there's lots of... Um, lots of factors involved
0: wow and guys you don't know jerem took it to a whole new freaking level on that one he went deep so i'm going to restate it one more time if you're just running that little new york city deli selling those awesome you know ham and cheese you know uh oh man i just hoagies that's what i wanted to say you're doing these (laughs) ham and cheese hoagies and you're just selling those at your deli in new york you're going to get the same protection with a single-member LLC from anybody slipping and falling in your deli. You're good. Jerem took it to a whole new level with asset protection when you have maybe assets in an LLC like a rental property. That's a single-member LLC. It's a different equation. Deep, right, folks? This is why doing an annual review once a year with your attorney that knows the difference can help point you in the right direction. It can be very affordable. Just once a year, get your checkup. You do it with your dentist, do it with your lawyer. Um, but don't stress about it. The single member LLC is awesome, Sam. Stay with it, do your annual maintenance. And from a tax perspective, it's taxed just like a sole prop. So if you're making 30 or 40 grand in that little deli, you better make an S election, bud. So you definitely want to make sure that you're careful um, making too much money in a single member LLC because the taxes can bite you in the rear on the way out the door. So be really, really cu- uh, careful. Um, all right, I'm going to do a travel deduction. This is the last one, Cassidy. You've got one minute or less. This is from Nate. If I took my whole family on a trip to Florida, and while I was there, I spent four hours for a full day, maybe even every day, presenting at a business meeting, can I write off the trip on my taxes or only my plane ticket? He says, I'm not asking about my home family, but just me. I went to Florida, and I did business at least four hours do i get to write off the whole trip what's your take
2: good question what the irs typically will look at is the primary purpose of the trip and so if you're going down there you know hey because i need to present at this conference um there's a a very high likelihood that we could we could deduct uh, you know all or or a portion of, of your situation so it just kind of it depends it's something we look at all the facts for but the short answer is absolutely we would try to get to to yes on that one yeah
0: and if you at that presentation you had your uh, spouse at the uh uh, event maybe you had and it was an event of your own and you had your kids helping sell tickets and sell books and register people the more you can get your family involved the more chance we have of writing off not only the whole trip for you but for your whole family now i love cassidy's cautionary points we don't want to get too aggressive here and uh say yep you're good and you're going to your TurboTax portal right there. Um, we want to be safe with that. So uh, be cautious, And uh, but we're going to be aggressive with that. Well, folks, I want to say thank you for listening to another hour of the Refresh Your Wealth Show. We love being here with you. Cassidy, thanks for being with us.
2: Thanks for the invite, Mark.
0: You bet. Jerem, thank you. No problem, Mark. Appreciate it. You bet. Thanks, everybody, for being a part of it. And we will see you next week for another show. And uh, keep living the American dream. Don't give up. Thanks for listening to another hour of refreshing strategies to
2: better
3: live your American dream. Don't forget to get your free copy of Market.